So just getting a better pulse on from your actual employees on what matters most to them. And then finding ways, um, I always love this idea of like, how do you surprise and delight your employees? What is up, People First Leaders? My name is Chris Lin, and I am your advocate and host for the Leading People First podcast, where we are set to transform the workplace. I'm happy you're tuning in and joining me on this journey as we talk about leadership and its effect on the employee experience. Thank you so much for downloading this episode, and be sure to hit that subscribe button to get new episodes automatically downloaded to your device. Let me ask you, who is your most important client? If you've been listening to this show or know me, the answer is those that are around you. And if you're an organizational leader, it's your employees. Today's episode's guest is Christy Kelsick. She's an organizational effectiveness practice lead for Slalom Consulting in New York City. Christy has a diverse background of over 13 years of client advisory and corporate experience, guiding organizations through their transformation and talent strategy journeys. She's worked across multiple industries and been embedded in both small and large organizations with a focus on high growth and transitioning companies. We got to talk about the importance of surprising and delighting your biggest clients, your employees, as well as the power of unlearning. Now let's dive right into this episode. Hey, Christy, thank you for coming on the Leading People First podcast. Hey, Chris, I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited that you could come on. Um, I know that previous guest, Melissa Goldner, recommended you coming on and I'm really excited to talk with you. And we, we've also been in a, um, a group together focusing on, on mindfulness and positive uh, positivity. So that was, that was quite an experience. <laughs> It was, I know. Um, I I learned a lot, but I have to say, um, I don't know that I've I've stuck with it. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know if anyone in our group is stuck with it. So it's okay. <laughs> but I feel like the best part of the experience was, um, yeah, getting to to know you and Christine. So yeah, and then get more time with Melissa. Yeah. Well, as always, I like to lead it off with one question, and that's, what does it mean to you to lead people first? Yeah. Um, no, it's a good question. And probably to answer that, I could share a little bit about my background. So I actually stumbled into human capital and people consulting coming out of undergrad. Um, so I and have also a fair amount of, um, of internal experience working with HR and people functions. Um, so I, with that, I've always it's kind of been ingrained in me that um, people are, you know, um, any organization's um, uh, greatest and most vital asset. So, and that's very much, um, you know, kind of how I operate, how I advise my clients, how I, um, you know, think and and operate as a people leader. Um, And then with that, I think I, you know, just have like a really solid understanding and have seen the data in terms of the correlation between the employee experience and achieving business outcomes. Um, so um, in my mind, there is never an instance where, um, you know, for any organization where the relationships between the employee and the organization should be merely transactional. Um, I think it's, it's so important um, and pivotal to focus on, um, you know, making that employee experience, um, you know, as, as, engaging as possible and um you know working as an organization or striving as an organization to figure out um 
you know, how you can turn your business into a place that employees just love to work um, and one that they can thrive in and can grow in and develop. Um, and that'll bring great things for the employees, for, um, you know, the people who are managing those employees and for um, the broader organization and, and the external customers. So that's generally just, just my mindset. And, um, and I think that, you know, in addition to kind of growing up in the human capital space or people space, um, you know, I've also lived it out and have my own experiences with that as well. I mean, I think we all probably have had, you know, been fortunate to have some really great people managers and then some really not so great people managers. Yeah. So, um, so with that too, you know, um, I think I, I've just kind of taken all that and it, it all, um, amounts to or reinforces this idea that we should, um, lead people first. So a hundred percent, um, believe that and, and try and move that out. Well, I mean, like you said, it, it kind of comes naturally for you, right? And it seems almost common sense, like, duh, like we should really focus on the employees. <laughs> but that's unfortunately not the case, right? Like a lot of, yeah. I would say most organizations are not focused on people and the employee experience and their engagement. So why do you think that is? Because every time we see a truly engaged workforce, right? We prop them up, right? Nothing wrong with that, right? Nothing wrong with being on best place to work lists. But um, I mean, I feel like that should be a majority of places, not the minority. And it seems like they're a minority. So why don't organizations and leaders just focus on their people and really invest in their people? Yeah, it's a good question. And I mean, I have to say, like, as somebody who has been, um, you know, kind of touching again the people or HR space for almost 15 or so years now, I have seen a, a definitely lots of maturity. Um, there's still a long way to go for a lot of companies, but, um, you know, I think back in the day, HR, for example, or people function was where you put people that you didn't want them to mess up anything else. And there wasn't, you know, kind of um, a real connection between the people function and the broader business strategy. Um, and certainly, you know, not necessarily, um, you know, the CEO or other C-suite that was really plugged into kind of the people and employee experience. I think that has shifted a lot because we do have, you know, companies who have, um, you know, really disrupted the industry. And it's clear that there is a correlation to how they're treating their people and investing in their people. That being said, I think a lot of companies don't necessarily fully live that out. And to your point, you know, maybe focus on how do I, you know, <laughs> you know, get, you know, whatever I need to do from a marketing or PR perspective in order so I get that best place to work. Um, but they're not really, you know, um, it's more lip service. Um, so there is a long way to go. And I, I do think in part, some of that is, is built on just how sh structurally how companies and organizations are built and operate. Um, so, you know, even when I think about my organization, there's always still, you know, it's, it's something that's important and emphasized, but when we think about rewards and recognition and actual comp and what the, we're incentivizing, often, um, one, companies find it hard to measure, like, what does it mean to be a good people leader? Um, how do you measure that objectively? Um, and therefore, they sometimes use that as, as a reason why they can't, um, they don't want to tie or incentivize that um, or put targets around that. So, and, and so I think until we start to solve for some of those issues and fill those gaps, like we're still going to continue to see companies, um, you know, not put that first or not focus on it. 
Um, but I think it's, I think in the long run, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's like, again, it's just a big disservice to employees, um, and, um, to the company as a whole. Like, there's just, um, there's a great pool and talent of people. Um, it's a different world too. Like, we're able to access that talent so much easier, um, with LinkedIn, with other search engines. It's just, um, again, it's, it's just in the best interest of any company to start to pay attention to, its employees to, um, you know, and, and to, you know, as I said, kind of view them as your internal customers and to prioritize that. But um, I totally agree. Um, most companies aren't there. Um, there's a lot of gaps. And I, I do think the more we can start to move um, the needle on some of the structural things and really tie kind of rewards recognition, um, then we'll start to see, you know, um, some behavior changes and people managers um, and hopefully and you know kind of broader organizations but um, but probably still some ways to go there yeah there's so much I think the thing that I am finding is that a lot of most managers right like they have like having like that quantitative data yeah. right of of metrics right and those are usually things like you produced X amount of widgets, right? Like old school or like you brought in this many sales or, you know, you were able to complete your deadlines. And those are very easy metrics to measure, right? Because those yeah. are practically instant. Whereas with people leadership, it's much more difficult to measure. It's still measurable, but it's more of a long-term like measurement, right? Is you yeah. can look at the ability of someone who leads based on some qualitative data, but that takes time to gather and it takes time to evaluate because it's, it's people, right? We're emotional. So we, yeah. you know, we might have a bad day, but that should not overall affect things over the scheme of like a year. Right. So yeah. do you think that the metrics are something that is holding us back as well? I mean, like, I know you mentioned that a little bit, but do you think that that's, a primary reason why we don't promote properly? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a reason. And, um, and it's, it's something that I've heard from leaders from even, you know, my own organization, like the hesitation. Um, you know, I, mean, I guess, again, I'm probably coming back to like starting my career and, and like comp consulting it's if you want to you know drive accountability drive you know change and and the way people are kind of operating what they're focusing their day on you have to incentivize it um and so um you know to your point it, it is much easier to say hey you have a sales target of x you've achieved this you brought in x dollars that's what we're going to measure you on that's what we're going to provide you know that's what your target bonus is going to be on it's a lot harder to do that um and and um around people it, it, because those metrics often feel softer um and um and so and maybe a little less fair um that being said i don't think the answer is to just um you know, kind of say, okay, we're not going to go there at all. Like it's to how, how for that particular organization, what is a fair metric or what is a way? Um, and, and I think, and, and there are things, right. And maybe it's not, um, and you can leverage employee engagement surveys and, um, you know, and, and kind of, um, uh, you know, and just other feedback loops. Um, now to your point, you know, there's sometimes emotion tied in that and subjectivity, 
Um, but there's certain things too, right? Like in, in order to become a better um, leader or people manager, it's having more tools in your toolbox. And part of that is, is training too. So making sure you're investing and your, your folks who do have formal people manager responsibilities, like do they know, you know, the techniques and tools for coaching or for feedback? Um, are you providing that training? If so, are they taking that? Those are things that you can, you know, start to track. Um, feedback, um, you know, 360 feedback is, is great. Um, some companies like it, some companies don't, but, um, you know, kind of getting that, that feedback on a regular basis. Um, I, yeah, I, I, so I think there are ways, uh, it's just, it's to your point, it's, it's not as, as clear cut, it's not as quantitative, um, and it's going to probably look different for different organizations and maybe different parts of the organization. So it's going to take some thought and um, to kind of nail down. But I think it is something that we should be trying to track and finding ways to reward it, because um, that's how we're going to get and incentivize people to actually focus on it and say, hey, I'm going to prioritize my people management responsibilities, empowering my team members, creating new leaders in the organization um, with the same, you know, and prioritize it in the same way that I'm prioritizing bringing in new business and revenue. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It, it's not just about, um, you know, when, when we think about this whole idea of measurement, right. Is just because we can't measure it today doesn't mean we can't measure it tomorrow. And we yeah. need to like test different ways of measuring things too. And I think that that's something that because we have hard ways of measuring certain aspects of our businesses now, like we're like, Oh, well we have these measurements in place. Like why do we need more? Or like we, you know, people, I guess organizations are afraid to test out new ways of measuring people. At least that's what it is in my mind. But you know, like you look at, things like, um, you know, other areas, it's not like we got to these current measurements like right away, right? Yeah. Like, it's not like we, all of a sudden we were like, oh, this is like the way it's measured and it like was discovered one day and this is the only way, like those got tested too. So don't be afraid to test things, right? And I know okay. that's something that you you were talking about before we started was, you know, how technology is constantly evolving and changing, right? Just like, you know, the way we measure things and the way we view human capital everything is changing. Whereas people as a species, as a community or society, we are kind of constant um, yeah. just as people. And while individuals grow, we have a very clear pattern as humans, right? So yeah. how do we innovate around the people side of the business and do things that are out of the box to make sure that we keep up with technology continually evolving? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. And, and I've seen it, we see it a lot with our clients, um, whether it's a new technology solution or, you know, companies trying to catch up with um, where we are as, as uh, you know, in terms of digital, um, all of that is really hard. Um, and, and we were talking about this a little bit before, but this whole concept of unlearning. Um, and, um, you know, the power in terms of innovation and new ways of working, if we sort of, um, you know, approach things with a blank sheet of paper and, and even, you know, as we talk about employees and like, if we were to think about like, well, what could the employee experience be, um, or, um, you know, what do we need to unlearn or undo here, um, and start to frame things in that way and have that mindset. 
um, I think is, is so powerful on so many levels, um, both of to what we can be innovating and building and like from just even products um, to, you know, again, the, the employee experience. For me, what's, what's exciting um, when we think of kind of that, that blank space or that blank sheet of paper in particular and the employee experience, I'm always challenging myself and, and team members. And, and that's the fun part too of being a, a consultant, right? Advising clients on like, how can we think about new innovative ways to reward and recognize people? And, and I have started, you know, we certainly have seen that shift over time and, you know, it used to just be purely compensation. Um, and that was, or, you know, maybe spot bonuses or maybe some sort of rewards here and there um, or recognition and people have gotten we've we've just gotten a lot more creative and thoughtful over time um, but um, but I, I think in part one of those things or a place that's always good to start is understanding what's important for your employees and that's going to look different in every organization and and different parts of the organization so I'm always an advocate for taking kind of um, you know, um, an experience-led approach or a user-centric approach where you can just ask them, like, what matters most and, and um, go through an exercise, too, of, you know, and, and know that for most people, it's a very fluid thing, right? So there's different points in my career where comp or may matter more or where days off may matter more. Um, so just getting a better pulse on from your actual employees on what matters most to them. And then finding ways, um, I always love this idea of like, how do you surprise and delight your employees too, right? There's an element um, of, of how do you sprinkle that in? How do there, you know, it's certainly like, let's have some constants and some basics of these are, you know, the, the things you can count on, like here's your target, you know, bonus or whatever, or certain benefits that you know you'll get every year. Um, but I think what's so meaningful and important and how you differentiate yourself as a company these days are like defining those moments to surprise and delight. And, and like, for example, in this time where, you know, COVID and like mental health and everything is, and people are really struggling balancing it all. Um, like, how do you, you know, have a surprise wellness day off or, you know, just kind of this bonus, like where people didn't expect it and it's just one day, but it's going to go a long way for certain employees um, or, you know, just various things. It can look different, but I think um, it's a very meaningful exercise, one, to, to get the information from your employees in terms of what matters to them now um, and, um, and just kind of have that in, 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 you know, back pocket. And then also spend some time um, as, as leaders or, um, you know, um, whatever, you know, for just across the organization, like brainstorming, like, what does this look like? And maybe, you know, particularly for the, for a particular year or, um, you know, what are some things that, that really speak to and align to our culture um, that are going to energize our employees and going to translate into a better employee experience? I think it's, um, it's really powerful. And I, I, I like to do it. Um, I hope other organizations are doing it. Um, but it's, it's an interesting space. And then I think what would be great is if we can also start to, you know, kind of share um, more across companies because um, that would be great. I'd love to have more access into some cool things that have really worked um, in terms of surprising and delaying one, you know, employee workforce and things that I can maybe use for my team.
So yeah. hopefully we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, the, we'll, we'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing that I really like about the whole surprise and delight notion that you, you mentioned is making it personalized to your organization and to your employees, right? Yeah. Is your company values as a company and then what your employees in your company value are going to be different than what like Google or like what is the hot new thing in Silicon Valley or in New York, right? Like those are going to be very different things that your employees are going to value, right? Um, and then even in between generations, generations yeah. value different things. So it's very important to kind of think about that. I know you like having adventures. And so have you seen those organizations that have been popping up that um, are using these, uh, are creating reward programs around like sending their employees on like their anniversaries or something to like on vacation hotspots? No. Yeah. I haven't. <laughs> yeah. So oh, really? I know of a couple of them. I don't, I'm not remembering the names of them, but th it's exactly what it sounds like. It's like, oh, you like hit a milestone, like a five year anniversary. We're going to send you on a vacation here. You know, you get an X dollar budget and you can go on vacation. Right. Like, but like, we want you to go on vacation, not just take that money. Right. And so, I love that. um, if you had a, you know, a bonus like vacation, where would you go right now? <laughs> right now um it, assume, assume, assuming covid is not like is, is all good like let's, assuming covid's all yeah. good um so this is gonna sound really random but i, I when i think about if, if when people are talking about like do you have one regret so um i love to travel i also um for a while like i used to have a rule that whenever i switch jobs i would take at least like a month off in between um, and sometimes a couple months and I would fill it with some sort of an adventure that involved travel. Um, so uh, back in, I think this was 2012, I was leaving financial services industry and it was, I was, um, I had some time off before I started at Tough Mudder, um, which was very different. And then um, I decided to go to Europe and I went to Barcelona with a friend and then um, she had to return. I loved it. And I was like, actually, I have some more time. I could stay. I feel safe. So I stayed in Barcelona for a little bit longer. Then I went to Turkey to meet up with another friend who happened to be traveling. Um, and then I was supposed to go home and I ended up staying a little bit longer and going to Bodrum, another part of, after I went to start out in Istanbul, went to Bodrum. And then I remember she was like, come with me to Cappadocia. And I was like, where? Um, and it's this amazing place in Turkey. And basically a lot of it's like underground and caves. So you, you like have these hot air balloon rides and you go and it's amazing. And I just like the adulting part of me was like, actually, I need to get back. I have this interview because I was in my final rounds with, with Tough Mudder at the time. And I was like, I really need to get back. Um, and then, you know, basically when I was on the plane back, I was like, that was probably the biggest mistake because I'm, <laughs> yeah. when am I ever going to go to Cappadocia again? When am I ever going to have that opportunity to just be in a hot air balloon, um, to be fun employed and just like not, you know, have to be responsible for anyone else, but like just enjoying that moment. So I always think about that when people are like, where would you go, um, next? Um, that's always on the list. Um, so maybe there or um, or just go to find a beach and be in a warm place since it's starting to get cold here in New York. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you are coming up on five years, right? At slalom. So. 
I am. I am. So maybe it's time for a little sabbatical yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to, I do want to ask about your time at Tough Mudder because you went from Goldman Sachs to Tough Mudder. Like what, how was that, tra- how was that transition? Like how was that culture? What was the, what really surprised you going, going into that role? Yeah, it was a complete transition. Um, I mean, just imagine Goldman Sachs is, um, you know, is very structured, operates like a well-oiled machine, and then walking into pure chaos. Um, so exact opposite. Um, you know, I remember at Goldman, we would like, you would have meetings to prepare for the meeting, um, <laughs> whereas um, there's just so much structure, yeah. so much, you know, everything was like very buttoned up. Um, and um, and Tough Mudder was a, a startup. It was a high growth company and it was scrappy. And, um, you know, we did. And while I was there, I did some of the most high level things that I would not have been able to do at that level. And some of, um, you know, the most operational things, like literally taking things out of a, we were event company. And, um, you know, I remember there were some events I and mean, we had our operations team, but everybody still would commit to at least um, helping do a couple events a year. So going to like the middle of nowhere, waking up at 4am, you know, registering people, getting our volunteers set up so that we were ready for when people came, you know, it was just like everything to, um, you know, actually doing my day job, which was um, people initiatives and, um, and, and building structure, like there was nothing they had focused. Well, I shouldn't say there was nothing, but the primary focus was initially on talent acquisition and and they had this great group of folks and then it was okay well now they're here people love Tough Mudder people love the culture it's a bright group but how do we you know develop people how do we support them there were lots of majority managers and people managing for the first time and obviously they weren't equipped to do that so building out um, you know a learning and development and training program I mean it was great I worked you know I worked so much at Goldman and if you had told me that was probably one of the most surprising things, although it shouldn't have been. Um, but if you had told me I was going to work harder there, I would have been like, no way. Um, <laughs> but I definitely worked more. Um, you know, I, I cared more too. I went there and and um, wanted to be a part of a building a business. Um, and you were invested and you touched all aspects of it. Um, and you were so connected. So it was fun. And then for me, I love like I'm so into fitness, wellness. So it was great to like, you know, it, I'm not that jazzed or excited about, you know, financial products. So it was really exciting to shift <laughs> and go work for a company that was like producing an experience and a product that I wanted to consume and that I did consume. So, um, so yeah, it was a great experience, but I worked so hard and, um, and it, it, it startup life is, is definitely, it's exhilarating and you're doing so much and moving so quickly and you talk about, you know, failing fast and, iterating all of that is is true but it's it's um it's also it's exhausting (laughs) (laughs) did you uh, did you ever do a tough mutter did you ever do i did yeah i did multiple ones um it was fun i haven't done any since i left but um but yeah i did i did a bunch um and um i was smart though i would typically pick like flat places so because <laughs> they built the course based on the you know the actual terrain the yeah. local terrain so um so it's funny I would work some events like whereas I like did Chicago Chicago was very flat or New Jersey was very flat um but then I you know the folks that were out there in like 
in Vermont, um, you know, we basically took over what was normally like a ski lodge, a ski, you know, um, resort and made an obstacle course. And so I was like, this is, you know, I feel I felt really bad for or had a lot of respect, I should say, for for the participants, because they definitely worked a lot harder to complete that course than <laughs> the flatter. I will say I, I did Tahoe and Tahoe was that was that was fun. That was tough. But oh, fun. Yeah, that one was really that's fun. awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. so going, you know, kind of riffing off of your, you know, t- looking at Tough Mudder and having a lot of new people, first leaders, or a lot of new managers, right? A lot of first yeah. managers. We see that a lot happening in, um, in startups, right? In really young yeah. companies because they don't have that structure there. What was, what is something that's looking back on your own career, what is a skill or what is a misconception you had about leadership that you had when you were younger that is no longer true today? Mm, That's a good one. I think, you know, when you're younger, I, at least for me, I always equated somebody who was experienced um, with, you know, somebody who would be like an exceptional performer at something. Um, Like, so if you have a depth of experience and, or been exposed to it. And I think that's the case you know, uncertain like subject matter expertise, but I think, you know, it couldn't be further from true for people management and leadership um, because you can have folks that have been wearing that, you know, or been in that role and wearing that that hat or that, that title um, who have not actually, you know, aren't, you know, thinking with a people first mindset and aren't investing and learning the tools um, and really having the mindset of, of investing in their people and empowering their people. So um, I think that was probably the biggest misconception that um, to think that, you know, and, and also think that just because somebody was, you know, got to a point in their career, like they were a CEO, that they actually were a great leader. Um, so I, I think that um, that's probably something that's, that's been, um, that, yeah, has been a, a, a realization as I've evolved in my career, as I've been exposed to good leaders and bad leaders. Um, you know, it, it's something that um, you have to be committed to. You have to have that mindset. You have to be willing to, you know, do the training, do the work, um, invest the time and prioritize it. Um, and I think, again, it's something that we continually evolve in, but it's not something that you can just assume that um, if you're, given people and you have that, you know, formal responsibility, you've been doing that for multiple years that you're actually good at it. Um, especially if you haven't gotten feedback from the people that you're leading and, and haven't, you know, heard from them what's working or not working and you haven't, um, yeah, gotten exposed to the right kind of tools or, or um, you know, tricks or training. Um, yeah, so I think that's probably the biggest misconception that I had. Yeah. I probably had that about a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like anything, right? I mean, it, it takes time and it's not like it, we're ever going to be quote unquote perfect at leadership, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And it's, it's individualized, right? You can have, there's so many different types of leadership. There's so many different styles and it works for some people and it doesn't work for others. Like, so it, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And I would yeah. say that, yeah. um, you know, I actually asked Melissa to share some words about your leadership. And so Oh, really? Yeah, so I want to share that with you real quick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh Melissa said that Adam Grant is a professor that Chris 
Dee actually had at Wharton for her MBA, and he said that leader, great leaders build culture, have values, develop people, and are good role models in life. Christy embraces all those elements and leadership traits. Aww. I would add one to Professor Grant's list that I think Christy particularly exudes. She creates space for people to thrive as their authentic selves. She does this by helping others to build faith in themselves and others. A true leader leaves the world a better place, and Christy is one of the best examples of that. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sweet of her. That's so kind. Um, that I, that's, yeah, that's really sweet. Actually, I remember sending her, I, I sent her the quote and I was like, don't you love this? It was Adam Grant's thing. And then um, she was like, this is you. I was like, stop it. Um, <laughs> but um, that's really kind of her um, to share those words. Oh. <laughs> well, I, you know, looking at that, especially around authenticity, I think that that's something that is a hot topic kind of uh, still. Um, yeah. What do you th- what do you see as the biggest obstacle for organizations and leaders to allow their employees to bring their full authentic selves to work like you do? I mean, I think you know, from a culture perspective, so much um, you know, it's got to come from all levels, and it, it definitely needs to be driven from leadership in the top. So. Again, going back to, you know, some of the things we were talking about earlier, it's one thing to, to put it out there or to win best places to work or have values posted on your wall. But if you're not embodying them and you're not embodying them at all levels, um, then it, it's not going to be genuine. Um, so, um, you know, I, I think most organizations should have like a core value of, of authenticity um, and that you can show up as your whole self. Um, and, um, and should be, you know, living that out, um, celebrating that, finding ways to celebrate that and recognize that and showcasing that and making sure like leadership is, is, is demonstrating that. Um, and yeah, I I think, you know, I I am very fortunate to work for a company that I, that is, you know, part of their core values and they do a really good job, um, of celebrating that. Um, and, um, and yeah, and so it, that that's really a fortunate thing. But again, I think it has to be something that's reinforced at all levels um, and something that it's rewarded and recognized um, and it shows up in, you know, um, whether you have town halls or quarterlies or, you know, whatever that kind of visible platform where you can just really recognize it um, or, you know, monthly awards or any of that. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's such a powerful thing too when, com- when, when you build an organization and create a culture where people really do feel like they can show up as their, their whole self. Um, and I, I think, you know, all companies are going to have to move to that. And probably some of them that weren't there have had to just naturally shift there more so now that we are in the virtual world where um, those boundaries are blurred, right? Um, like I was on a call earlier today and, and it was with um, a client that I, I was meeting for the first time and, um, and her son was doing like his PT exercises next to her. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, no, I love it. You know, just being able like, this is, this is life for you right now. And um, this is how you have to let's like celebrate it. And let me acknowledge too, like how difficult it may be to like, in a loving way, still let him do his thing, but you also focus, um, you know, so all of that, I think, um, 
you know, we just, I think all companies need, have to move there because that's the world we're in right now. And, um, and, and just, yeah, embracing it and, and doing it in a way um, and, um, and making sure that, that leadership is, is supporting it and they're doing it themselves. Um, I think it's a really big thing that, that goes a long way in terms of fostering that culture. We have to be compassionate, right? And like, yeah, passion allows authentic allows like authenticity to come forward. So, um, yeah, yeah, can't agree more. So, before we wrap up, one last question: What is the impact you want to leave as a people first leader? Well, I mean, I think you know, for me, the mindset I always have, right, is that my success isn't driven solely off of what I achieve. It's, um, you know, how I empower others and how I contribute to their success. Um, so, um, so ultimately, I think that is the impact, um, whether it's big or small, just being able to um, be a part of someone's professional or personal growth. Um, yeah, I think that's that's so powerful. And um, and going back to authenticity and, and what Melissa said, the kind words, like knowing that I can give somebody and create an inclusive and safe space for them to feel like they can show up as themselves and also give them the tools that they can show up themselves and succeed and be celebrated. Um, I think that's, um, that's, for me personally, rewarding. And that's, um, you know, kind of the impact that I would love to leave in any organization that I, I work in or touch. Awesome. Well, I think you're doing it. So keep, you, you keep doing it. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> well, Christy, thank you again so much for coming on. Uh, where can people connect with you? Where can people connect with me? Um, you can always find me on LinkedIn, although Chris was reminding me that I have a very small um, <laughs> internet and feed, uh, footprint, but um, I am on LinkedIn. So you can always see me. I try and respond. Um, and um, yeah, um, you ping me on, I'm not on Facebook as much, but Instagram, any of that stuff. Um, but just look for me on LinkedIn. It's probably the best way. And I'm, I'm happy to connect and um and yeah, connect. Cool. Well, thank you again, Christy. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you, Chris. It's been fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leading People First podcast. If you aren't already treating your employees like your number one client, it's never too late to shift. Christy shared some great insights on how to grow the human capital in our organizations. And if you want to learn more, be sure to connect with Christy on LinkedIn. Also, make sure you take a screenshot of this episode and share it with someone who is looking to surprise and delight their employees and approach the employee experience with a blank slate. Don't forget to hit subscribe to get future episodes automatically downloaded to your device. Let's keep this conversation going on LinkedIn and Instagram. I'm glad you're joining me on this journey exploring how leadership affects the employee experience. Keep leading people first and stay awesome.